Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Podcast. I'm Jake Witarski, joined today as always by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, you can give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Jakeski52. Today we're going to be making our fantasy picks for the biggest fights at UFC 228. That is this Saturday in Dallas. John, thanks for joining me. We've got a welterweight main event here, but the big question for me as much as who's going to win this fight is... Can Darren Till make weight, and and what is your take on that? Well, I mean, you know, it's certainly been a problem for him in the in the past, and it's a problem in the sport in general. And uh, you know, unless they add more weight classes, which certainly seems like the UFC for one is hesitant to do, um, this is going to be an ongoing issue. The fact of the matter is, you have guys in this sport that just are not fighting at you know they're walking around weight, and you know, weight cutting is a dangerous you know part of the job. Um, but, uh, in relation to Darren Till specifically, um, you know, he's only had six career UFC fights. He's missed weight twice. 
Um, I believe I heard this week his plan is to win the title, defend it once, and move up to middleweight. I think that's what he said. Um, that's, that's a dangerous sign for me, though. You're already talking about moving up to middleweight when you got to make 170 with no leeway pound on this fight. Oh no, it, it's definitely concerning. Um, I mean, if you look at the two, if you look at Till and Tyron Woodley standing side by side, um, Till looks like he's twice his size. Um, you know, there's only he's three inches taller. Um, the height, uh, excuse me, the reach is actually the same, but if you put, if you looked at, you know, the, the Connor, you know, Habib press conference, they had, you know, the fall press conference. If you look at these two guys standing side by side when they face off against each other, Darren Till literally looks like he's twice Tyron Woodley's size. And yeah, I um, tweeted a picture earlier today that just kind of, I, I did kind of a rundown for content for this week on Rotowire MMA. And, uh, I purposely picked a picture where, where Till's holding both of his arms above, above Woodley's head. The size difference is, is, gigantic and if I, I know Woodley said for this fight they've got Kamaru Usman standing by another top welterweight contender and you know just in case something were to happen to either Woodley or or Till but Woodley's been saying I, I think starting on on it was maybe on Monday he told Ariel Hawani if if Till makes weight uh there's zero zero percent chance he's fighting Usman he would rather fight an overweight Till and that, that to me sounds like a recipe for disaster it does. Um, I guess his thinking behind it is, you know, if he fights an overweight Till, he can't lose his belt, you know, because Till essentially wouldn't be is not going to be eligible to win the title if he misses weight. But it's it's a really good fight. Um, Darren Till, um, you know, it's a deep division, but you know, it, Darren Till has earned this opportunity. Um, he decisioned Stephen Thompson in May. He knocked out Donald close, Cerrone. Pretty close decision there. It I mean, was it close. Who you talk to. The knockdown at the end cemented it for me. Yeah, I thought Till won. It was close. But, um, you know, Tyron Woodley uh, has really – he's always been one of the better welterweights for years. But uh, the last, you know, half dozen years or so, he's really gone on a roll. He hasn't lost a fight in over four years. Um, He hasn't fought in – about 15 months uh mm-hmm. damian maya in july of last year and uh for those of you that remember that fight that was just maya going for takedown after takedown after takedown that you know did absolutely nothing and Woodley just kept shooing him away like a fly stuff um, and stuff and stuff now yeah there's but, you know, shoulder th- this, issues he had in that fight i believe he had the surgery that's why he's gone 15 months for the torn labrum yeah i you know this is a good fight and it's um like i said i hope till makes weight because um you know any fight that is you know scheduled to be a title fight where or any fight in general where one fighter misses weight really you know air comes out of the building when when one guy's not eligible to win a belt mm-hmm. but yeah, um absolutely. You know, yeah we say it all the time tyron woodley's background is in wrestling um but you know he probably doesn't wrestle as much as he should given his background um you know woodley's averaged about uh you know a takedown a half per 15 minutes which you know all things considered considering his background and his pedigree you know is not that much um he's a guy who you know is comfortable striking um woodley has an underrated chin he always has you know you saw some of the shots he took from Stephen thompson um he took a bunch of shots from kelvin gaslam he took some shots from robbie lawler before he knocked him out a couple of years ago so tyron woodley has an underrated chin but this but tyron woodley's also 36 years old he turned 36 years old in april um darren till obviously you know much much younger um, much bigger till will be 26 on christmas eve so you know he's nearly a decade younger but this is going to come down to Darren Till making weight, which, you know, obviously we 
you know, can't do anything about that. We won't know that until until Friday. And the other thing this is going to come down to is Darren Till's takedown defense. Um, you know, the takedown defense in the course of his UFC career is very, very good. It's just over 83%. But, um, you know, facing takedowns from Tyra Woodley uh, is pretty much different than facing a takedown from nearly anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Till's last fight against Stephen Thompson, obviously Wonderboy's a pure kickboxer. Um, Donald Cerrone, as good as he is on the mat, is at the point in his career where he's essentially a kickboxer as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Ty- Darren Till's facing a different kind of fighter. Um, even if Woodley you know, doesn't consistently go for takedowns, Till has to be aware that that's in the back of his, you know, that's always going to be in the back of his mind. So um, Till's, I'm worried that if Till gets taken to the ground, he's going to have problems getting up because Tyron Woodley, even though he doesn't seem to always do a lot of damage on the ground, is really good at, you know, spreading his legs far apart and, you know, just leaning heavy on, on his opposition. And, you know, it, it, Till's size advantage isn't going to make a difference if he's on the bottom, you know, that, that, that helps if you're yeah, on the that top. Negates, so, that negates um, everything for me. Yeah. All right. So uh, this is. I'm t- oh, sorry. I was. I'm taking till. You're taking uh, till. You know, right. I put an ass. I am. I put an asterisk next to it only because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You with know, weight, on, yeah. you know, on Friday, you know, with the weight cut. But you know, the odds. Um, Vegas odds. Woodley's minus one ten. Till's minus one fifteen. The DK salaries. They're both eighty one hundred. This is essentially a pick em. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I would look at it too. That's what I was going to say. We jumped right into the weight thing right away, but I didn't run down, you know, the specs here. You know, we got Woodley and Till at 8,100. Till a slight betting favorite at minus 115. I wouldn't be surprised if that swung around towards the weigh-ins, depending on what happens there. Uh, the odds to finish on here are minus 140. So, I mean, the moral of the story is you want to get a piece of this fight on DraftKings because there are a ton of high-priced favorites that you want to find in your lineup. And at 8,100 for both of these guys, it's technically less than the average per fighter slot that you get to pick. So you want to take this five round fight somehow in your lineup. And I mean, if you play the odds of Vegas numbers, maybe tills your pick here. But for me, I've went back and forth on this and back and forth on this. And I think I'm going to go ahead and stick by the vet, John. I know we've been, uh, we've been a little, a little boring, I guess in the last couple, we agree a lot, but this is one where we might butt heads a little bit. I, I have to go with the veteran here because I feel like he's taken the time to recover how he needs to be with his shoulder and he can start to use more of his offensive wrestling as opposed to the last couple fights where it was mostly defensive wrestling, especially the Mayo one. And like you said, Till has a pretty respectable 83% takedown defense, but he's got a very short history in the UFC. You mentioned six fights. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone took him down once. Nicholas Adalbi is his only loss. He took him down twice. I mean, that was back in, in 2015 when Till was you know super young and inexperienced, so you can almost dis- Discount some of that right now, but uh, Woodley is a far superior wrestler to any of his previous opponents, and, and I think that's a fair statement that we can agree on. And I've seen just some—I know it's different weight classes, but I've seen some patterns in in a couple of recent fights where you get the established professional that can lean on wrestling against a kind of new up-and-comer hot name. And when it comes down to this title fight, I think of—I uh, don't know—for Steve Miocic and Francis Ngannou, for example. Steve wrestled him the entire time, handled him. Uh, Megan. Anderson and Holly Holm, you know, Anderson was this hot new thing from Invicta, but Holly held her up against the cage was the much smaller person, but she was stronger and solid. And, you know, not obviously you're comparing apples and oranges here with drastically different weight classes, but I've made this mistake and I've fallen into this trap before where I picked a young, hot, up and coming guy who doesn't really have a great resume, but has looked really good in his last couple fights against, uh, against 
decent opponents, and then all of a sudden you give him a just a consummate professional like Tyron Woodley coming off the injury or not. I think Till's going to have a little bit of a hard time, and I think that you know he's being so young. This is not the first time he fights for a title if he loses by any means. I can say that with some certainty. But we're going to split on this one. I think Woodley is going to go in my in my DraftKings lineup, my A lineups, I guess you could say. I'll still get some exposure to Till. It's going to be about 60-40 for me. But when our staff picks come out tomorrow, uh, Woodley's going to be my selection. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, just, you know, so our listeners know, the reason we're ma- we're making such a big deal about Till's weight-cutting issues here is because the two times he's missed weight, um, he didn't just miss weight. He missed by a mile. He was 174 t- pounds in the Stephen Thompson fight, and he was 176 pounds in his fight against Justin Iari in May of last year. So, I mean, that's just not, you know, sometimes guys come in, you know, a half pound over or a quarter pound over or whatever the heck it is. You know, he's missing by four and five and six pounds. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's, he's draining that's, himself you know, to get into these fights, and that's oh, going to yeah, make oh, the takedown yeah. defense even harder. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, you know, some guys are able to recover from that quicker and, you know, and are able, you know, the morning weigh-ins now help, you know, it's that, you know, you get a full, whatever, seven or eight hours of extra time, you know, to rehydrate your body as opposed to making weight at, you know, six or seven o'clock local time, like it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that certainly will help till, but you're right. And this is Tyron Woodley is an established veteran who has, you know, faced the best in the world for years. And this is obviously the biggest fight of Darren Till's career. And, you know, there are question marks and, you know, I was essentially 50, 52. Um, you know, I, I went back and forth and, you know, the bottom line is you look at the odds, you look at the salaries, you look here, us talking about it is, you know, this is essentially a pick em. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. So you want to get a piece of this five-round fight just in case. And, and one last thing on the Till weight thing. I know we've been beating it to death. He's been very critical of media members beating it to death. But uh, so in his last fight, uh, I believe it was in Liverpool, where he, he missed the weight. He weighed in at 174 pounds, and I forget what the exact number was, but he had to come to the arena the next day as part of the agreement uh, with Thompson that he couldn't weigh more than 185 pounds or 180 pounds, something along those lines, when he got into the arena. So he essentially had to do two weight cuts in two days for the fight, which if you're talking about fighter safety at all, I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. But again, if he has to do that... If we get the aggressive Woodley and not the passive Woodley, that's part of what it comes down to here. But if you get the aggressive Woodley and not the passive Woodley and and Till is drained a little bit, I like Woodley's chances. So I'm going to watch these guys close during Friday's weigh-ins and and just kind of see what happens there. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's one of those – it happens sometimes where you just – you really got to pay attention to – you know, the weigh-ins on Friday because, you know, that can have a, you know, a serious, legitimate impact on the fight. And, you know, we don't say that very often. That's not often the case, but this is definitely one fight where you got to keep an eye on that. Yeah, no doubt about it. But this isn't the only title fight on the card on Saturday night. We do have another title fight. It is one of the most lopsided title fights you'll ever seen. You've got the ultimate fighter champion, Nico Montano, against Valentina Shevchenko. Montano's a $6,600 on DraftKings. That's the lowest price you'll ever see a champion for the next 10 years you can write that down in ink uh valentina shevchenko is 9600 she's moving down from bantamweight to try and grab that flyweight title the reason montano's the champion is because of winning the ultimate fighter and valentina shevchenko is a minus 1275 favorite 1275 these are like ronda rousey numbers these are like demetrius johnson numbers uh back in his heyday and rightfully so then we find shevchenko at 9600 as the highest priced fighter on the entire card here, the odds to finish in this are minus 145. Um, I guess you see that uh, in, in women's fights quite a bit. 
But uh, I guess a couple questions for you, uh, John. Will Shevchenko finish her? Is she worth the high price take? And does Montano have any semblance of a chance in this one? Uh, I'll start with your last question first, and that is I, you know, and we're going admittedly on extremely limited exposure for Nico Montano. Um, she essentially has one UFC fight, the fight in which she won the title. So, um, you know, it's not like we have a ton of background on her, but um, I, uh, I see no re- I see no reason or to think that she's going to win. Um, now, your second question is, um, you know, will Valentina Shevchenko finish her? And um, that I'm a little more. A little more undecided on, you know, that pretty much comes down, I, which I think most, almost everybody's going to agree. It's really going to come down to how much punishment Montano can absorb. Mm-hmm. And we don't really, you know, we don't really know the answer to that question. Um, this is going to be, like you said, this is going to be the, the, the bottom line is title fights that are this lopsided with the odds and um, the salaries shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Is pretty much what it comes down to, you know. Yeah. The, you I mean, know, Montana, these aren't. She won the show. That's why she's she did. here. So she she deserves this opportunity. But man, I, I'd be looking to dodge this in any way, shape, or form. But this is this is going to be a tough one. Yeah, you know, this is her shot. Um, you know, Valentina Shevchenko has two losses in the last seven and a half years. Um, they both came against the men in Nunez. Uh, you know, the second one was a split decision. Um, she's really, really good. Um. Her background isn't striking. She wins with volume, um, former kickboxer, and her grappling has slowly been getting better over the years. It's not to the level of her striking and never will be given her you know, kickboxing background, but her grappling has gotten better. And, um, you know, I don't think her grappling is going to have to be on point, you know, to win on Saturday. But um, it's certainly, you know, can be in, it's certainly something that we have to monitor moving forward. Um, when she takes on different opponents, but you're right. Montana won the show, thus winning the title. She's earned this opportunity, um, but you know I don't think there's really any reason for her, you know, to think she's gonna uh, not only win. I, I I think she's gonna have a problem keeping this close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's so, but it's always as we, we always say it's always risky to put a, somebody with that kind of salary in your lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with Eric Anders on the UFC Lincoln card last week, and I think he was ninety six or ninety seven hundred either, and he looked like he was going to lose that fight for a little while until he finally went ahead on the scorecards, got the third round knockout, but still didn't get a hundred points. I mean, if you're going to pay this price for Valentina, you need, I would say, at least I don't know, I didn't calculate the exact value. I know some of our fight IQ guys look for ten x, ten times value, um, and in this case, uh, you need at least ninety six points in that scenario. Twelve x is the ideal one if. You're going for gpps so so i mean uh you you would need what 108 points now valentina shevchenko scored 140 DraftKings points in her last fight against priscilla kachera and that was a horrible refereeing in that fight should have been stopped in the first round let kachera continue to take a beating beating that was stopped in the second round and valentina ended up with 140 pounds points in the two-round fight now this of course is a five-round fight but very much depends on what you think about montano's chin and her ability to hang around quick rundown of her mma career because you mentioned we haven't seen a whole lot out of montano uh okay so in 2015-16 she competed under king of the cage for four fights went three and one lost to somebody named pam Sorensen. doesn't quite ring a bell for me uh hd mma seven in 2017 uh lost to julia avila via unanimous decision Again, 
not ringing a bell for me. Then you've got the uh, the Ultimate Fighter, and a lot of these uh, fighters have fought in the UFC since then. So she beat Lauren Murphy, she beat Montana De La Rosa, she beat Barb Honchak, and then she beat Roxanne Modafari. And I believe it was only Modafari fighting because Sajara Eubanks was injured at the time. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, don't quote me on that. That's just a gut feeling. But anyway, there's not a whole lot on that fight resume that leads you to think she can compete with one of the, I would say, top three or four pound-for-pound women's female fighters in the entire world here so that's why the numbers are the way they are that's why we're both heavily on shevchenko i would be shocked if someone picked against shevchenko and our staff picks this weekend they would get berated constantly as will you the only way i could see montano is if you're doing a DraftKings lineup maybe if you have a hundred lineups and want to use one just so you have like the impossible scenario covered or if you're simply out of salary from using favorites and you need to punt one of your slots which again we don't typically advise doing but maybe sometimes in a cash game if you want to use some of these favorites we're going to talk about you punt one and you toss her in there at 6600 knowing full well you're expecting 15 to 20 DraftKings points out of her in a good scenario yeah, I mean this. You know, this wouldn't be your normal punt from the twenty-yard line. You're punting from your own end zone here. So, uh, it's. Uh, but you're right in the sense that Shevchenko's value from a DK perspective is going to depend almost would one would think would depend almost entirely on how much punishment Montano can absorb, and that's 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 an unknown. You know, that's just like we don't know what Darren Till is going to look like at the way and you know, we don't know how much Montano could be one of those zombies who, you know, can just take, you know, 300 punches from Shinchenko and see the final bell, at which point, you know, you're going to get a ton of points or, you know, she could last 30 seconds. And at that point, the payoff's not worth it. So yeah. it's Montano's risky. never been finished. But like we like we, I just kind of said, nobody even stacks up to Shevchenko right. here. So that's not, not even really close. a fair one to say both of her losses were by decision. So that's pretty much how, how we can sum this one up, how to attack this one on DraftKings. I mean, Shevchenko's got to be your foundation for just about every cash game lineup. And there's another favorite that's nearly as big as Shevchenko, uh, but there's a reason for that as well. We'll get into that now here with the third fight on the card. We'll be breaking down. We've got a matchup between Zabit Magomed Sharipov. or Sharip- I, I, There's one way to say that. I guess we'll find out when Joe says it on Saturday. He He's taking on Brandon Davis. Now, Zabit was supposed to be taking on Yair Rodriguez. That would have been a pretty dang cool fight between a couple of top prospects. Rodriguez got hurt. I found that a little suspicious uh, in my part. I mean, obviously, I don't know the guy. I don't know the circumstances. But he refused to fight Zabit for the longest time, got cut by the UFC, and then finally they kind of worked out their differences, brought Yair Rodriguez back on, scheduled this fight. Then a couple weeks ago, he pulls out due to injury. So then in comes, we've got Brandon Davis, who's a Dana White's contender series guy. Hasn't looked great during his time in the UFC, and the prices and odds reflect that. Magomed Sharipov is 9,400, so that makes him the second highest priced guy on the slate. Davis is 6,800, and we've got another four-digit favorite in Zabit. He's minus 1,165. So you have to wager Almost $1,200 to win $100 on that fight uh, in case you're not quite as savvy in the betting department. Odds to finish, just about minus 200. So technically better odds than Shevchenko to finish. And, you know, maybe there's a chance that you pivot from Shevchenko to Magomed Shuripov. And I think we're going to make the same pick on this one here. But essentially, unless you want to punt spots in your lineups, you do have to make the decision between Shevchenko and Zabit. So I guess... How you see this one playing out, John? And would you rather use the beat, or do you think Shevchenko's safer? Oh wow, that's tough. That um, tough. No, I think I'd rather use Shevchenko only because she tends to win 
with volume and combinations as opposed to like one punch knockouts and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think in and plus the other thing is, and this is probably the biggest reason, Shevchenko, we don't uh, it might not get there, but she potentially has five rounds to play with. The beat has three rounds. Uh, that's another thing. So she has an extra potential extra 10 minutes. Um, you know, I, like you like you mentioned, I was also very excited to see Zabit and Yair Rodriguez. Um, Zabit essentially agreed to remain on this card um, regardless. He's facing a fighter in Brandon Davis who, you know, is nothing. You know, the bottom line is he's really he's nothing but roster depth. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, you'll probably never hear anything of note from again. This will certainly go down as the biggest fight of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, you imagine he sticks around just because he was willing to take this fight and maybe get some yeah. other fight or two. They see what they got in him. I mean, he, they wouldn't give up on a contender series guy that quickly is what I'm saying. No, no, they wouldn't give up on a contender series guy. And, you know, they'll he'll you know, he'll get points with the brass for uh, essentially being fed to the wolves here in order to keep the beat on the card. But uh, he can be even remotely know, competitive. That's that's huge for him and his name. Of course. Yeah. He doesn't even have to win. You know, if, if he can, you know, if he can lose, you know, 29, 28 across the board, that's a win in a fight when oh, yeah. you where your opponent's minus twelve hundred favorite or whatever the heck it is, eleven sixty five. He did value on DraftKings if he lost twenty nine twenty eight across the board. He's only sixty eight hundred. He'd end up with maybe thirty, thirty five points, fantasy points if he can get enough significant strikes and and that would be perfectly fine for me as a punt play at a GPP. Yeah, you know, for those who haven't do that. <laughs> Sorry. Eh. For those who haven't seen Zabit fight the guy weighs 145 pounds and he's six foot one. Mm-hmm. Um, makes weight without an issue, um, which is cr- it's crazy to even think about. He has an extremely awkward, unorthodox style of fighting, as you would expect from a guy, you know, with that kind of length. Um, the thing I the thing that upsets me, other obviously in addition to the fact that you know we lost a really good fight between Zabit and Rodriguez, is you know this isn't a fight that. Uh, you know, assuming it goes as planned, this isn't a fight that's going to do anything for Zabit moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, all it's going to do is kill another six months or eight months or whatever the heck it's going to be until he fights again. So if he wins with ease, you know, we don't know how good he is, you know, as far as facing elite competition because he's facing a guy who's pretty much, you know, nothing more than roster depth. And as impressive as he's been in his brief career, you know, Kyle Bochniak, Shaman Marais, and, you know, Mike Santiago is not a murderer's row of competition. Mm-hmm. So while it looks like this guy's a world-class talent and has all the ability in the world, the truth of the matter is we haven't seen him do that yet against top competition. So, um, you know, it's probably just delaying the inevitable, but it gets Davis a chance in a fight that he would never get. And I, you know, we've talked about this before, too. I always advocate guys like Davis in this situation taking this fight. He has nothing. To, you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, you advocate, you know, ally Quintus stepping in on a day notice to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. Who cares if you lose? You're facing, you know, maybe the best pound for pound fighter in the world on 24 hours notice. Mm-hmm. If you get killed, you get killed. You know, Davis was, was Davis could have been looking at a release next week for all we know you know so go for it you got nothing to lose nobody expects you to win so you know hit try and you know try and hit a home run but uh i would probably take shevchenko over as a beat if only because she has the extra two rounds to play with but um for those who don't who haven't seen the beat fight um it's a treat but you know him steamrolling davis which i think is what we both think is going to happen mm-hmm. um you know 
isn't going to tell us anything about how good it can be in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Now, I will say that Zabit's last three fights, 107, 152, and 114 DraftKings points. So um, he's never been, and, and he's been 9,300, 9,300, 9,500. Today's kind of right in the middle at 9,400. So maybe there's a chance to hit value here. I think I, I'm, I'm still playing around with it. There might be a scenario in which you can use Zabit and Shevchenko and even your pick between Tyron Woodley and Darren Till. Then you're going to have to pick some underdogs, and hopefully we can identify a couple later on in the show, a couple guys to look at. Um, but, yeah, I think we're in agreement here that you know Zabit is, is probably going to steamroll him, and I definitely like his chances. Uh, the only thing is what we have to see, what he's really being tested for Dana here, is he doesn't have a first-round stoppage yet, and if the numbers indicate it's time, there's ever a time for a first-round stoppage, it's now his three UFC wins have been second-round submission, third-round submission, and the decision over Bocciniak, in which he still scored 170 or 107 points due to the five takedowns. He's got 16 combined takedowns in his last two fights, 11 advances in his last two fights, good for DraftKings scoring. So Zabit's probably in for a big night. Um, yeah, him and Shevchenko, you're going to have to make that decision. I'm thinking I lean Shevchenko because of the five-round factor, but it's very close, and who knows, maybe we can get some underdogs to get both in here. But let's keep moving down the card, John. we got a few more fights to discuss a little bit here. There's a really good women's strawweight matchup here between uh, kind of one of my favorite up-and-coming strawweights. You can hardly say up-and-coming anymore. That's Jessica Andraj. She's going to take on Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Uh, Andraj is 9,100, Kovalkiewicz 7,100. So Andraj, another one of the more expensive fighters on the card. Andraj is minus 400 on DraftKings. Kovalkiewicz is plus three. I'm sorry, she's Andraj is minus 400 in in Vegas, uh, 9100 on DraftKings. Kovalkiewicz plus 325 on the books. Odds to finish, not expecting to finish, plus 185. Uh, John, you said in your article that you posted on Road to Wire uh, today. Uh, you can anyone can listeners can take a look at that if they need a recap of those breakdowns here. Free article here, uh, but you said in the article that you think maybe the numbers are a little bit closer than what these indicate. Yeah, I do. And uh, as we were mentioning just two seconds ago, you know, looking for an underdog. Um, I think Karolina Kovalkiewicz is a value underdog at 7,100. Um, I was legitimately surprised that both the odds and the Vegas salaries were as lopsided as they are. Now, um, I acknowledge this is probably not the best matchup for Karolina. Um, you know, she's a Muay Thai specialist, striking. Um, she's giving up a ton of brute strength to Andraj, which most every woman in the division is, you know, Andraj is prop who has fought as high, you know, as bantam weight before is probably the strongest pound for pound fighter in the division. Um, you look at her muscular frame and, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that she herself can get down to 115 pounds. Um, but this is, you know, the key, just like the key to the first fight is going to be Woodley, uh, excuse me, Darren Till's takedown defense, the key to this fight is Carolina's takedown defense. Um, Andraj is not much of a striker. Um, she's, she does most of her damage from top position, um, just simply grinding her opponents. Um, and Carolina is going to be in a whole heap of trouble if she's on her back. Um, she doesn't have much experience in the submission game. She's going to have a really, really, really hard time getting back to her feet if she's on her back. But um, – she has she is the Carolina is the better striker of the two. Now, um, you know, if Andraj pushes forward for takedowns and Carolina can't defend them, you know, that's not gonna matter. But um 
Carolina's takedown defense over the course of her UFC career has been exceptional. It's over 87, just about 87%, which is about as good a number as you can ask for. But um, I would say Andrade's takedowns are the most difficult in the whole entire division to defend. And the reason for that is she might not be you know, the most technical you know, grappler and the most te- technical wrestler, but if she fails on her first and second and third attempts, Andrade sticks with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, she will. She will bottomless gas tank from all of her fights yeah. that I've seen. Yeah, she, she, she just keeps going. She going. looks good. Yeah, and pressing forward. Yeah, she and, does. And when I was kind of looking at some research on this fight before, I mentioned Andrade is one of my favorites. I like that. I think she could very easily uh, compete and be competitive in the flyweight division. I, I think her weight cut to strawweight is tough. But as far as I can remember, she's always made it. So, so that's going in her favorite. I agree that Kovalkiewicz is a pretty big name and a pretty skilled fighter for 7,100, but I don't think that's the direction that I, I'd go. I I'm really like Andrade. I'm pretty confident in it. I think she's going to be able to continue pushing forward. I was kind of looking through and doing some research earlier, and I I had saw an interview with Claudia Gadelia, who had, had previously faced Andrade and, and gotten beaten pretty handily for her. She And Gadelia is a fighter who was the consensus number two strawweight in the entire world for the longest time, the only one who ever gave Ioanni and Jacek a uh, run for her money really of course a lot's changed since then but Claudia Gedalia was comparing Andrade's pure strength she basically called the same level of a male bantamweight it's just the upper body strength is tremendous and like you said if she doesn't get it the first time she's going to keep coming and there's potential for huge DraftKings salary or huge DraftKings scores if uh if you can take her, if she can get those takedowns and then really do some damage with ground and pound, and uh, I, I think that's how that this one's gonna this one's gonna play out for me. So I I see the appeal of using Kovalkiewicz at at, at seventy one hundred. Um, yeah, I don't know. The decision people are gonna have to make is her or Carla Sparza, which we'll get to in a sec. But mine is Andrade a little bit, and I think the numbers are actually accurately reflected here. Uh, you know, I, I just I think if I'm if I'm essentially punting and putting you know a really really low price fighter in my lineup, I would certainly just rather take someone like Carolina, who we know has legitimate skills, as opposed to someone like Brandon Davis or Nico Montano, where you know you're essentially expecting you know you're going to have to get a flute, you're looking for a flute to get paid off. You know, we we both agree Carolina deserves to be the underdog and this isn't a good matchup for her, but you know, there's no denying she's still one of the better fighters in the division. So, you know, you're banking on, you know, her figuring it out given, you know, her natural talent level as opposed to Davis or Montano in which you're really just looking for a miracle. All right, so uh, so I mentioned Carla Sparza. She's a hundred dollars less than Kovalkiewicz, and she's a uh, former champion here. She's going to be taking on T- Tatiana Suarez. Sparza seven thousand. Suarez ninety two hundred. We know the UFC dot com rankings are pretty garbage here, but Suarez is like the number nine uh, fighter, whereas uh, as Sparza is, I think she's still in the top. She's definitely in the top five still, and the Vegas odds and salaries are, are such a disparity. Suarez minus five twenty five. Sparza four fifteen. I think I'm pretty sure that we're both going to agree and take Suarez in this fight uh, just because of some of the reasons I was picking Andrade before. Her ability to get takedowns and, and, and Esparza you know, has been competitive of late but just hasn't quite matched the skill level. Um, so I guess the two questions I have for you, John, is uh, I mean, are you with me in picking Suarez, thinking that's a pretty safe bet? And two, if it, came down, if it came down to it, are you taking Kovalkiewicz or are you taking Esparza as a punt play on DraftKings? Very similar salaries. I would rather take Kovalkiewicz than Esparza. I've, uh, Esparza has been up and down throughout a whole career. 
I've never been a huge fan. You know, she's, you know, she, when you think she's, when you think she's in bad shape, she fights well. When you think, you know, she's going to lose, she wins. You know, it's, she's been, you know, a backwards fighter her entire career. But Tatiana Suarez is legit. Um, 27 years old, three, you know, again, short, small sample size, three fights into her UFC career. She's averaging over six takedowns per 15 minutes. Now, I am, I am concerned that Suarez, the rest of her game isn't even remotely close to her wrestling game. Um, that's certainly, you know, something, you know, to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, you know, she does, she's not a great striker. Um, you know, she doesn't have much experience on the feet. She only has six professional fights under her belt. But Suarez is, she's similar to Habib Nurmagomedov in the sense that it sure seems like when she gets her hands on you, no one has shown an ability to come close to defending her, you know, and this, to, you know, to staying on their feet. Um, she's just, she's like Velcro. She sticks with the takedowns. I like her. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be worried moving forward when she faces better all around opponents. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But Carlos Sparza is, uh, Carlos Sparza's strengths essentially swap. She's a wrestler. She just doesn't do it as well. Um, Suarez, I think she's a better athlete. I think she's more physically powerful. Um, this is a extremely clear pick to me, and I would rather I'd rather roll the dice on Carolina than I would on Esparza. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, you know I can get on board with that analysis. I think that's a that's a solid bet. I mean, I I, I just like Andrade a lot, and, and it's for a lot of the similar reasons. I mean, Suarez in her last three fights, one hundred thirteen, one hundred twenty five, and one hundred thirteen DraftKings points. So she could hit value, but I don't know whether I'm using Andrade or Suarez. I have a tough time picking either of those women over the likes of Shevchenko or Zabit. And, you know, I've kind of been tinkering around with lineups as, as we talk about this. And if you use Shevchenko and Zabit in the lineup, um, you, you know, we're going to have – I threw Tyron Woodley in there at 8100 because in a way that's salary relief. But you're looking at three fighters that are under $8,000 in salary. And one of the guys I used – is in this next fight that we're going to talk about. It's a very, very good bantamweight matchup between Jimmy Rivera and John Dotson. Rivera's 8,400. Dotson is 7,800. Um, Rivera minus 150. Dotson plus 130. Odds to finish plus 225. So you're looking at this one going three rounds. This one is not on the pay-per-view. It is on uh, the the uh, FS1 prelims. I got to double check to make sure the network. No, FX prelims tonight, so definitely keep that in mind on FX this week. Um, and there are, there are only four prelims on FX, and there are five early fight pass prelims, some of them with some intriguing veterans. We'll get to that in a second here. But uh, but overall, John, you wrote about this one in in the column that's on uh, Rotowire MMA right now. Again, a free column you can check out. Uh, but can you kind of re-explain the rationale and, and your pick for this one? I picked Rivera, but th- this is a really good fight. Um, two guys whose strengths mirror each other. You know, they fight similarly. Um I think Rivera is probably the better of the two fighters that are putting putting together combinations. Um, I think Dodson probably has a bit more one punch knockout power. Um, but this is two guys who you know who fight similarly. Um, uh, they two both rely. Guys. They're going to be fast very, when you very, say very, very, very fast. Rivera relies more, um, you know, on hand speed. I would say Dotson, you know, is a bit more reliant on footwork. Um, if you would have told for a while, I thought Dotson was probably the second fastest fighter in the division, other than Demetrius. Uh, not excuse me, division the company, other than Demetrius Johnson. Um, he, 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 he's nonstop motion. He doesn't get tired. 
Um, he's he's a terrific fighter. But um, Jimmy Rivera got a wake up call in June um, in his main again fight against Marlon Marais, where he was knocked out in 33 seconds. Essentially, they you know threw a couple phantom jabs at each other, and Marais unloaded a head kick that turned Rivera's lights out. And um, you know, I maybe the result wasn't a fluke because Marais is you know damn good and essentially on the verge of earning a title shot. But um, you know, I think the way that I think the way that fight finished was probably a bit of a fluke. Um, it was the first fight and first time in Jimmy Rivera's career that he's been knocked out. Um, so you know, while the result itself might not have been a fluke, how it happened, I think was. But this is a really good fight. Um, I you know I, I I picked Rivera to win, but you know I'm willing in a in a card as we mentioned earlier with a ton of high priced favorites. Um, you know, I'm willing to listen, you know, to the rationale that Dotson has value at 7,800. Um, it's a pretty cheap salary for a guy who, you know, has fought for a UFC title before and, you know, is quite good. So if you're if you're dead set on getting, you know, favorite, some of those favorites in your lineup and you're looking to somehow come up, you know, with a little bit of value relief, I think Dotson is a decent play. But uh, this is a close fight, as both the odds and the salaries indicate. And uh, I do agree. The odds to finish on this fight are plus 225. So I also agree with that. I think there's a pretty good chance this fight sees the belt. Both of these guys are durable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm with you if I had to pick this one straight up. If someone gave me even money or something like that, for example, you're, you're throwing around money with your buddies on fight night looking for something to do to pass the time before the uh, the main card starts. Yeah, I guess I'd pick I'd pick Rivera straight up. But when you look at the salary comparison, I definitely think there's odds value at 7,800 in Dotson. And Dotson, because of his speed and because of his volume, it's all—it's always a little bit of a question how the, how these uh, striking will be scored uh, in terms of fantasy. But I think he's going to make enough contact and land enough strikes over a three-round to at least give you a reasonable floor on DraftKings. And who knows, maybe he gets the win, which at 7,800 would be some excellent odds value here. So uh, I, I, I'm with you exactly on this one. Dotson's probably the better draft. DraftKings play because this fight is close enough. I think I'd be leaning Rivera, you know, straight up. But again, it's 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 very close to call and close enough where I could see going the other way from a fantasy perspective. So to wrap things up, John, uh, thinking about kind of from a fantasy perspective, we kept talking about it over and over again. I mean, Chevchenko, uh, Zabit, those guys, those two are 9,600 and 9,400. And even if you don't use both of them, you, you know, you've got really, really good, solid, safe plays in Tatiana Suarez and uh, Jessica Andraj. I mean, uh, so, so, so there's a lot of expensive fighters going on here. Um, if you're going to do that, you either need some punt plays entirely in your lineup, which you generally don't want to do in a GPP. You want to at least pick six fighters that have a shot to win, unless you're one of those guys that's entering 100, 150 lineups. Then you know there's always going to be a certain one to two to three to four percent level of exposure on some of those punt plays here. But generally, we need some guys here in the eight thousand or below range that at least have a chance to win. I've got a couple of numbers plays and just one kind of gut play, but I'll let you start, John. Do you got any plays that you're looking to target, uh, either from guys that we've talked about or uh, or just anybody that's on the card, even from the five fight early prelim set. Uh, well, I'll give you a couple. You know, um, one which I can't believe I'm going to say this is um, is Jim Miller at seventy yes. six hundred. <laughs> yeah, you know, some some somehow Jim's still around. Uh, you know, still doing his thing. What, Thirty uh, you know, UFC Jim fights, Miller, something like that. Just a crazy something one. like that. He's been around. He's been around forever. Uh, you know, it's essentially at the point now where Jim Miller can't win anything other than a ground battle. But at 7,600, 
maybe you think he has enough to get past Alex White, who you know has you know, limited time with the company and has you know been inconsistent. I think he's three and four over the course of his UFC career or something like that. So you know maybe you think Miller you know has you know can do enough to grind out a decision. Um, and the other one that I thought that was the first one that popped in my mind when I was looking was um, Lucy Putalova against Irene Aldana. Um, Putalova's eight thousand, Aldana's eighty two hundred. And the reason my the more the reason I'm, I thought this was I have I liked Aldana when she first entered the UFC. I thought she had some potential. You know, long time Invicta fighter. Um, you know, fought Tanya Evinger and Invicta, uh, fought Jessamyn Duke and Invicta. You know, fought, fought you know well you know no names in Invicta, but since coming to the UFC, she's one and two. All the fights have gone to a decision, so she hasn't looked as strong as I thought she would. So, you know, I'm a little bit worried about that. And, you know, Putalova, brief, you know, brief run, quick two and one record, couple quick wins in her last two fights. So, you know, maybe if you're not on board with Aldana moving forward, you know, maybe you think Putalova is a potential value at 8,000. But, um, you know, this is, it's a top heavy card. Um, there are, you know, there are a lot of high priced fighters. Um, which is why we always advocate that you make multiple lineups. Um, but, uh, you know, and another one I actually, that I actually didn't even think of, um, was the one other fight on the main card that we actually didn't break down in depth. And that was, um, Abdul Razak, Al-Hassan and Nico Price. Al-Hassan's 8,300, Price is 7,900. And I actually picked Price to win that fight outright. Um, Price has been good in his UFC career. He entered the company as essentially a no-name, you know, came out of nowhere. And he's gone four and one with a no contest in there, but uh, KO'd Randy Brown in July in the first, second round. Very, very impressive. Um, so I like Price. You know, he's done better than I thought he would. And um, you know, maybe as a you know true underdog, you think he has some potential value. But it's a top heavy card, and you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make your stand somewhere. Yeah, I'll run down the odds value plays. The reason kind of I I pick Jim Miller's. You know, I like to look at best fight odds for uh, these these types of things. I've seen. Jim Miller generally from a plus one thirty to plus one ten underdog, which is getting almost in the pick'em range. I think some of the, some of these sites have a little bit of a high vig here. If you look at that, I don't, I don't want to do too technical gambling there. But at seventy six hundred, I think you know maybe there's a chance he can grind one out. I'll give him that. The other guy with some odds value who I actually disagree with, Cody Stammen, is um, he's priced pretty cheaply here. I had it up here a second ago. He's uh, seventy seven hundred, so he's actually more than Jim Miller, but he's plus 110, plus 120, but I like Aljamain Sterling a lot. I, th- I think Sterling keeps his momentum going and wins that fight. And the last guy I want to I, I wanna bring up, and John, I know you're going to shake your head at me a little bit here, but uh, it's a guy that UFC fans, anyone familiar with the UFC, definitely knows, taking on a guy in Craig White who... Um, who is just uh, he, he just made his debut on short notice against Neil, Neil Magny, but Diego Sanchez is seventy four hundred. Guy's got all the heart in the world. He's gonna keep swinging. Maybe get you some significant strike points. So who knows? I mean, I guess it, for me it depends if you think Diego Sanchez is completely washed up. He, again, he's going against. They're giving him kind of a no name guy. Is he completely washed up, or is there a slight scenario where you could maybe see some value out of him in this one? Well, he's going to keep swinging whether he's washed up or not, so I'll tell you that much. 
Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, does he have a chance here? We, I mean, neither of us can say we know a lot about Craig White. He took that Magni fight on short notice and, and got handed to him as he was expected to. But um, So maybe they're rewarding him by giving him a, a washed-up guy who also happens to be one of the bigger names. He's someone that, you know, and he, he's been around forever, and, he, and he's been in some just ridiculous brawls. But who knows, man? I, I, the fan of me wants to see Diego Sanchez win one, and you still got to have fun when you're doing these. So maybe I'll put him in a couple lineups just so I can root like hell for him. Yeah, you know, I mean, and then the other thing is Diego hasn't fought in, you know, almost a year, you know, about 10 months, which mm-hmm. at his age and all the beatings he's taken over the years is probably actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finally getting himself some recovery time there. Still, of course, training at Jackson Wink. I don't know if anyone's listened to that Joe Rogan, Donald Cerrone show. Uh, there appears to be at least some strife at Jackson Wink, but uh, uh, Sanchez was one of the guys that founded it there, and I'll, I'll still say it's a pretty quality camp. And 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 who knows? I mean, I'm I'm just talking a real cheap guy that if you can go him over someone like Esparza, then I'd probably do it. Um, but again, you, it involved clearing up some salary. So there's a uh, I don't know, just someone that's possibly in play here. The odds, not a ton of odds value there at plus 195. And again, another a guy that I'm not sure I pick straight up. But who knows, maybe one of those crazy shots lands and he can do some damage here. So hopefully we set you guys up with some decent value plays to kind of counteract the high costs of some of those favorites. I want to thank all of our listeners again for tuning in to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. Uh, once again, John Littering, thanks for joining me today. You can follow John on Twitter at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. I'm Jake Letarski. You can follow me at jakeski 52 John We're going to be back for something I'm very excited about. We're going to break down UFC 229, October 6th in Las Vegas. Possibly the biggest card of all time, John. I think we talked about it, alluded to it a little bit on that show, but we got Khabib and we got Connor finally squaring off. Connor coming back. Hopefully all the weight and everything stays okay. I'm just knocking on all the wood I can can possibly find here. So that fight stays alive, but uh, could be the highest sold pay-per-view of all time. Yeah, it, if it's not the biggest card of all time, it's certainly going to be one of the biggest fights of all time. You know, just two guys who, you know, if you're throwing a dolly through the window of a bus to get at a guy, you probably don't like him that much. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, you're not going to have to, you know, fake it to sell tickets and sell pay-per-view bots for this one. Uh, you know, this is going to be two guys that, you know, legitimately don't like each other, and th- this is going to be a good one. Yeah, I, I man, I can't wait. I can't wait to blow the content out of the water that week, the card itself. Not too bad either, so uh, we'll definitely check back into that. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, you know, I'll do a sl- shameless plug at the end, rotowire.com slash free for a free 10-day trial if you want to try any of our DFS optimizers with week one coming up. You can also play around with our MMA optimizer, kind of a beta tool that's a little bit of a work in progress. We launched a couple weeks back. You definitely might want to check that out. And uh, anything else on the site, uh, get your week one fantasy football lineups ready to roll, all that kind of good stuff on rotowire.com. So once again, John, thanks for joining, and uh, thanks for listening out there, everybody. All right, thanks, guys. See you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.